This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Real wolves are social creatures. They need and crave a group to belong to in order to survive and thrive. The same is true for your Minnesota Timberwolves. Now join host Henry Lake as he gets an inside look with another prominent member of the club. This is Life in the Pack. Welcome to another episode of the Life in the Pack podcast, where we talk to players past and present and executives with the Minnesota Timberwolves organization. I'm your host, Henry Lake, and today I get a chance to talk to a former player who spent nine of his 12-year NBA career right here in Minnesota. Doug West joins us here today on the podcast. Doug, it's a pleasure to talk to you today. Well, thanks for having me, Henry. I greatly appreciate it. I look forward to the conversation. Yeah, I look forward to it as well. And let's dive right in. I don't want to I don't want to make you feel old because you aren't old. You're only 54, but you are one of the original Timberwolves. You were one of the first ever draft picks by the organization in the 1989 NBA draft. How proud are you of that fact that this organization wanting to get off to a good start said that you would be one of their players? Uh, well, you know, when you look back on it, you know, you reflect back once it once it all ends. Um, you know, you're, you're very, uh, you know, happy, uh, honored, um, you know, with with your uh, achievements. Uh, being drafted uh, by the by the Timberwolves in '89 was a um, actually shock to me. Um, it was it wasn't one of the teams that I had visited. Wow! And uh, um, when it happened, um, you know, my first thing was like, "Wow, where's Minnesota?" <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, you know, where you know, because I'm I'm from the East Coast, and uh, you know, my whole life spent on the East Coast, played in the Big East, uh, not a lot of traveling uh, to the Midwest. Uh, so you know. Um, I was very, very, very excited, uh, somewhat, um, you know, apprehensive going to a new city, um, you know, new people, uh, new organization. I had no clue what to expect. Wow, that's interesting. So, so what was it like being a part of an expansion NBA team? You know, the, a team that's literally you're starting from scratch. Yeah, it, it was it was, um, you know, that's that's how I came into the league. So I didn't have anything else to compare it to. Um, you know, the, the players that we had brought in, you know, a Tony Campbell or, you know, um, a Rick Mahorn or, or, or guys of that nature, Randy Brewers, th- those guys, you know, they had played they had played in the NBA. So they had other experiences to me. You know, it was an opportunity to start something new and uh, to go at it, um, you know, wide eyed, open minded and uh, get the most out of it. You know, you mentioned a couple of minutes ago that you had no idea anything about Minnesota, right? Like you were you're an East Coast guy. But 
after you got drafted and leading up to the time of you arriving here in Minnesota, what did you what did you think Minnesota was going to be other than a place that's going to be extremely cold? <laughs> well, you know, I, I didn't even realize how cold it was at that point, um, you know, but I, I just knew, you know, I, I knew of the Vikings, you know, I was a football fan. Um, so, I, you know, I knew the Minnesota Vikings, knew, of the, you know, the Twins, uh, you know, so I, I was very um, uh, it was very interesting to see what the city was going to be like, you know, what the people were going to be like, um, you know, coming from the East Coast. You know, I used to joke about this all the time, you know, living in Philadelphia. And, you know, at that time, you know, people come up and talk to you, you would look at them like they were crazy. Um, you know, coming to Minnesota, when I first got there, you know, people coming up, they were so friendly and so excited for the team. I, I was I was very, you know, standoffish. I was like, what's this person want? You know, so, yeah, uh, it was it was uh, it was exciting. I can remember when I first got there, uh, Tyrone Corbin, he had lived out um, in, in Eden, actually in Bloomington. Um, and he took me out there and I saw all these bike trails and these running trails. And that wasn't, you know, it's it's everywhere now. But back then, you know, Minnesota was one of the places where, you know, all the health, health, uh, healthy people started. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it was exciting. You know, it, it's got to be interesting, too, at that time, because I remember back when I was uh, I think I was like a sophomore in high school when you guys first got started. Just the the aspect of you talking about going into the NBA and being a part of an expansion team. And at the same time, the fans here being giddy and excited and happy because we were getting NBA basketball back. Right. There were a lot of people that felt a certain way when the Lakers left Minnesota and they went to play in L.A. So for us to get NBA basketball back, um, merging with the fact that you're coming to Minnesota for, for the first time, that had to be a special thing. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was. It was. It was. It was special. Um, like I said, it was exciting. Um, you know, you, you do have a new team in in, in the league. Um, you know, you're bringing you know other talent into the city. You know, another professional team. I mean, you know, you had the the the, um, the Vikings, the Timber. I mean, the, the Vikings. Yes, the Timberwolves, uh, the Twins, and the North Stars yep. at that time. Yeah. Um, so you know, it was it was exciting. Um, and. You know, all of those teams were were very successful successful franchises. Yeah. Um, you know, they were they were they were playing for something or, or competing. You know, in the playoffs. So it was it was a, an opportunity for us to come in and, and try to see what we could do. Yeah. We're talking to former Minnesota Timberwolves Doug West here on the Life in the Pack podcast here on uh, Life in the Pack. All right. So let me ask you about your background. You're from Altoona, Pennsylvania. Is that correct? Yes. And you were one of the most highly coveted recruits in the country out of high school. The year before you arrived at Villanova to play for Raleigh, Massimino, the coach, they won the NCAA title. So what was it like stepping into the program that was riding high from one of the bigger upsets in NCAA tournament history? Well, it was it was actually um, it was exciting, you know, going, you know, finally getting to Nova after they won the championship. Um, I had committed prior to. Um, so, you know, having the opportunity to watch, um, you know, I went to a game uh, right at the end of the season. Villanova played uh, the University of Pittsburgh uh, national TV game and they got I mean, they got blown off the court. It was it was just a bad game. And then to turn around, uh, you know, a month later and to see them win the national championship was just um, exciting. And then to go on campus, um, you know, back in the 80s, uh, 
Yeah, that was uh, as a freshman coming into a school, into a city um, that had really won its first uh, college uh, championship uh, was was uh, it was it was good times. Um, you know, uh, there was a lot of expectations, you know, still for our basketball program. But I, I think, you know, a lot of the people were still caught up in the 85 championship. You know, it was uh, it was, quote unquote, considered an upset with them beating Georgetown. So, um you know, it, it didn't make it that easy, that much easier for us, for me as a freshman, but it was, it was exciting to be part of, of that atmosphere um, and to be part of that legacy. You know, it's so interesting because Villanova has been a really dominant program in the last decade or so. Uh, you keep close tabs on the program. You go back at all? Oh, yeah. Well, I coached there from 2007 to, two, uh, to 2012. Yep. Um, my son uh, just graduated, uh, grad assistant from there uh, two years ago. Um, so, and I, I mean, I, I don't live far from campus. So I, I've been to a few games this year, a lot of practices. Um, I get to see it up, up and personal, close and up and personal, um, you know, every day. That's awesome. All right. So I'm talking to you at Target Center right now, but what do you remember about the Metrodome, Doug? <laughs> It was the longest walk in America from the locker room to the court. <laughs> it, was, it was it was by far. I tell you what, you know, they, they, they have people they have to stretch now before the game. You know, well, from the time we left the locker room, by the time we got to the court, you were stretched. I mean, it was, you know, it, it was just one of the longest uh, walks um, to the court. Uh, that that place uh, was just so massive. Um you know, but it was it was exciting, uh, you know, playing there. You know, I had played at the Carrier Dome, um, you know, in the Big East. Mm-hmm. So I was I was used to the dome atmosphere. But, you know, being in there and, uh, you know, those days when we would have practice in there when there would be nobody um, in there, it was just it was just uh, it was just unreal. Um, and then I think our first game there was against the Lakers, mm. um, you know, and if I, when I say there were people sitting so high and so far away. That you know you're sitting on the bench looking up there saying, "Wow, are they really sitting that far away?" Yeah, and uh, you know it was it was uh, it was exciting. I mean, you know, it was we had great crowds in there. Uh, the people, the people. I mean, the, the fans of Minnesota brought it every night. Um, you know, unfortunately, we we didn't bring it every night as a team, but uh, you know, the fan the fans brought it. The support was just uh, tremendous, and uh, you know, from day one, uh, just um, exciting. Um, and yeah, that place is one of the biggest places ever to play in. Hey, trust me, I was one of those speckles or one of those fans that was out <laughs> there watching you guys play because my first ever Timberwolves game was that first season. You guys played the Chicago Bulls, and a friend okay. of my family at the time, uh, he's still a friend of the family. He's, I love him to death. His name is um, Renee Pulley, and he's in okay. charge of uh, Nike uh, basketball, EYBL oh, yeah. stuff. Pulley, here. The Pulley All-Star? Yeah, Pulley, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to okay. roll with Pulley and, 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 and do some coaching with, with Renee back in the, uh, the late 90s, early 2000s. But Renee took me to my first Timberwolves game, and it was against okay. the Chicago Bulls at the Metrodome that year. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, those games, those games are fun. Um, and, you know, and everyone – it was always a problem playing Chicago. Uh, because everyone wanted to see Mike get off, man. It was just like, uh, you know, and, you know, as a competitor, you never, you want, you never want to let Mike get off. But yeah. Mike, you know, Mike was Mike. So, uh, you know, we, we, <laughs> we know what he did. So, well, let me ask you, let me ask you about that. So how, how many, whenever, not just with, with the Metrodome, but also at Target Center, when you have somebody like, a, a, you know, you're going to do battle against a Michael Jordan, how many ticket requests would you get, bro? 
Well, you know, the, the ticket requests were never a problem um, with me. Um, I never thought, you know, you, you know, I had certain, you know, we each had our certain amount of tickets. Plus, I had a little um, section back in the day uh, where I where I had some, you know, kids and everything. Um, so the ticket requests weren't were never the issue. The issue was um, that the fans wanted to see Mike dunk on everyone um, and, you know, and, and score 30 something, 40 points. You your know, fans. Like, yeah. Yeah. Your fans, your home fans, you know, and it was like, well, that's at my expense. Like, um, you know, I can't do that. Uh, so that, that was the only issue I ever had. It was just like, you know, we can't let, I mean, this, I mean, I was a Mike fan in college. Um, so, you know, watching him um, for, as, for as long as I did, you know, and trying to emulate a lot of the stuff he he did before, you know, next thing you know, you're playing against him. So, you, you know, as you're playing him, you're thinking like, I've seen these moves. I know what he's going to do. Yep. But, you know, seeing it on TV and being there live one-on-one with, you know, 20,000 people in the stands, it's, it's a lot different, um, you know. So, uh, like I always said, it was it was exciting, um, you know, competing against, you know, all the all the great players in the NBA um, just to say that you had that opportunity um, was exciting. But the fans wanting to see Mike get off just always used to get to me. Yeah. We're talking to Doug West here on the Life in the Pack podcast. Um, What was it like playing for the late coach Bill Musselman? (laughs) Muss. Muss was uh, he was a character. you know, must must had some of the greatest stories uh, before practice. Um, I mean, he he would tell stories about, I mean, things, just anything. You know, it would just be off the wall. He'd be sitting there looking at this dude like, is he serious? Um, but he just had great stories, and he was so, he was so into his craft, so into making sure that, you know, we were one of the better executing teams. I mean, mm-hmm. we would dummy offense you know, for 25, 30 minutes, you know, like practices an hour and a half and 30 minutes of that was dummying, dummying offense, you know, five on that side, five on the other side, you know, dummying, dummying your offense. So it was just became second nature. And, uh, you know, I had my college coach, uh, Coach Masmina was the same way. So for me, that transition was, was awesome. Uh, You know, having, having someone like that. And then, you know, after my first year coming, coming back my second year, I, I really wasn't sure where I was, where I, you know, sat with, within the organization, within the team. And yeah. when he brought me in, cause you know, you, you get called in there. It's like, it could be, you're getting cut or, you know, you, you're getting that, that lease on life. And um, he gave me that lease. Um, and, and uh, finally trusted in me, put me in, uh, allowed me to play and, um, you know, uh, couldn't thank him more for that. Who was the player that was probably your best friend or player that you trusted the most during your playing days with the Timberwolves? Well, early on, um, you know, Tyrone Corbin, uh, Tony Campbell. And then, you know, as we moved into it, Sam Mitchells, um, you know, we all lived in the pretty much in the same area. Uh, you know, Terry Porter, um, you know, you know, guys, I still I still keep in touch with, you know, as as we moved along there, you know, Christian and I became really, really good friends. Um, you know, Wait, still... Christian Leitner, you he, he got friends. <laughs> oh, yeah. Christian, Christian, Christian's good guy, man. Christian's good guy. Christian. <laughs> he he knows how to keep people away. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> you you know, you played over a decade in the NBA, 12 years to be specific. That's a lengthy career as a player. What would you say was the key to your uh, your longevity? 
I think that I was uh, coachable. I think that I was someone who left it on the floor um, all the time. Um, you know, played hard whenever I stepped between the lines. Um, you know, was able to play multiple positions. Um, and just, just you know, the love of, of the game and, and the love of, you know, competing every day. Um, I think it, 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 it was one of the things that was um, very good for me. Well, listen to this. This is from a colleague of mine and a, a good friend of mine, Chad Hartman, who you know from your days <laughs> with the Timberwolves. You know, I asked him a little bit about you, and he said, super guy, worked his butt off, professional, best second-round pick in franchise history. And he told me to tell you hi. I appreciate that. You know, Chad was Chad's good guy, good golfer. Um, oh, you know, don't don't get started on him in his golf game, bro. Oh, golfer. Yeah, I know he's a golfer. So you know, <laughs> I was out there this summer. Came out and played golf for a few days. Hopefully, I'll make it back uh, this this upcoming summer for another round out there. So look forward to that. Always, always yep. playing golf. The the 1992-93 season, that was your best year when looking at your stats. You averaged 19.3 points, three rebounds, three assists, and you shot 51% from the field. Uh, That was your fourth season in the league. What really clicked for you? I think the the pace of the game, um, and, and, you know, I think the game slowed down uh, for me a little bit. And, you know, I think that was a time we brought Jimmy Rogers in. And uh, Coach Rogers – Basically, he, he, he gave me the, 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 the go, the green light. Um, and, uh, you know, I think we ran plays and ran sets where I was being able, able to get to my spot. And back then, my spot was elbow extended jumpers. Um, you know, we, we weren't, you know, back in the 80s, early 90s, the three-pointer wasn't the, the shot that it is now in the NBA. You know, you had guys that shot it, but it wasn't one of the shots that, you know, everyone was shooting. So I think my, my mid-range game was, was, was very good. And I think I was able to get out in transition and uh, finish on the break. You know, you participated in the 1992 NBA Slam Dunk Contest. Uh, what was that like for you representing Minnesota All-Star Weekend? Um, it was, that's, that was uh, exciting. Um, it was uh, nerve-wracking. Um, I was a, an in-game dunker. I was never one of those guys who you know, just went and just practiced different kind of dunks. Um, you know, everything just happened by instinct with me. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I, it was, it was in game. So it was more of a, you know, the, the emphasis on someone, uh, you know, not out there just by yourself. So it was, it was, it was, it was a great experience. Um, I was, I was kind of shocked. I didn't make it to the next round. Um, but you know, things happen, uh, you, you, live and you learn. Um, I think uh, Cedric Sabalas won that, that one, that was when he was blindfolded. So, uh, it was a good time. Good time. You know, a month ago I sat with a uh, former Wolves player, Latrell Sprewell, and he loved coming back to Minnesota to watch the squad. Uh, how many times have you been able to come back to the place that drafted you since you retired? Well, it's really funny. You asked that, um, the first time I came back was this past summer, like I said, and, um, you know, I don't know when this airs, but I'm, I will be in town tomorrow. <laughs> so awesome. I am I am coming in for a game this weekend, um, you know, so it'll be the first time that I'll see the, the squad, the, the, the NBA squad uh, play um, live for over 20 years. Um, you know, I've uh, I saw the summer league team this past summer, but uh, this will be the first time I'll be in, in there where where the game really counts. On your and return. Actually, yeah, go ahead. Actually, it's a good game. They play the Nets. So yeah. It should be a good game. Yeah, that's going to be fun. On your return to Minnesota, anything special that you want to see or do? 
Well, it's 11 below zero. I want to stay warm. <laughs> you just want to stay warm. See, there you go. See, why not? you don't have to take the cheap shot at us, Doug. Come on now. He said, I just want to stay warm. <laughs> we're, uh, oh, we're talking. Well, I think, I think um, you know, this, this summer um, I, I had a chance to see a lot of friends and, and get when I got back and, uh, you know, spent some time with some people. So, you know, to do that, uh, it's, it's a big playoff weekend. You know, football. You know, I'm a, I'm a football fan. So, you know, being able to sit back uh, – you know, enjoy the games um, will be will be nice. And then I'm going to attend practice tomorrow, uh, you know, see see some of that and then just look forward to the game on, on Sunday. And, and, you know, just feeling that atmosphere again, um, you know, I think it'll be exciting. Yeah, I know that there are so many of your fans that are listening right now and mm-hmm. they want to know what are you up to nowadays. So uh, get Wolves Nation up to speed as to what you're doing in life now. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm part of part of a company called a three hoops um where we uh you know run camps and clinics and and all of those those fun things i am also a high school coach i coach at a private um high school girls basketball um you know pretty pretty good team and i'm part of the nike circuit on the girls eybl and i have uh, i coach the philly rise 17 u eybl team Oh, that's so awesome. uh, I stay I stay pretty active um, in basketball and, and especially on the girl side. Man, I love Nike EYBL. That is amazing. I love covering that stuff. Or I, I used to. I haven't done it in over a decade, but uh, that's a lot of fun to see the the rising stars tomorrow. Stars here today. I I want to get your take on the current NBA. What is your opinion of the league? And I ask that because there's so many people that complain and say that the young guys they're soft or that the game has changed too much. And while I agree that the game has changed some, I don't blame the players for that. And I just think that things change over time in anything that you do in life. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, I love the game, Um, you know, and I love the evolution of of basketball. Um, You know, I I look at it. uh, I coach my girls like, like the guys play. Um, you know, we open the floor, um, you know, being able to drive in space and share the ball. Um, I, I think it, it just it's just when it's really when it's when the game is played really well that way, it's just it just looks beautiful. I mean, if you watch, you know, the Golden States or Phoenix right now, even the Minnesota, the way they play, the way they move the ball. Um, it's just it's just good basketball. Um, and, and the 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 game has changed for the big man. Um, I can remember. When I came in the league, it was about throwing the ball in the post, and that that five was always running to the post. Well, now these guys are are skilled, um, you know, and that's just as we say how how basketball's evolved. Uh, you know, living here in Philadelphia, I'm watching Joel Embiid the other day come down the court like he's the point guard. You know, Euro steps, uh, finishing at the basket, uh, shooting threes. So I, I, I like the way the game is, has gone. Um, you know, we have more as what I look at it as basketball players, not positions, um, you know, more positionless basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really appreciate it and love how, how it's being played. A few more minutes with uh, former Minnesota Timberwolves Doug West here on the Life in the Pack podcast. I'm going to call you OG because you're one of the originals, <laughs> you know, going back to 1989. Uh, you were one of the vets for Hall of Famer Kevin Garnett. If you had the opportunity to give some advice to current players, Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns, what would you say? Well, Kevin was a guy who, I mean, he, he, between the, between the lines, between the lines that 94 by 50, he left it out there. And, you know, that was every possession, 
um, every day, never taking a, taking a day off, taking a minute off. Um, that's what it takes. Um, that's what it takes to be that superstar. Um, it's the, you know, to do it, um, daily and when no one's looking to, to keep doing it and, uh, you know, never, never be satisfied. Um, you know, eventually it comes to an end. So, you know, push yourself through it cause you never know when it's going to end. You know, I, you know, I always thought about this. How would you describe yourself, Doug? Because you weren't one of those players that, that sought out the limelight. <laughs> yeah, I, I still don't. Um, you know, I like to sit back and see what's going on and, and just live my life, you know, on the, on the down low, on the down low. Uh, you know, it's um, always had people tell me about, you know, we got to use your name to do this. And it's just like, ah, you know, now these kids are getting paid for that. You know, name, <laughs> image, and likeness, you know, you know, now if I could do it all over again, yeah, you, you, you go and you, you know, you go out there uh, full bore head, but man, you, you know, and the, my- you and the big East, NIL back in those days. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, Doug, you, day, you have, yeah. you'd have a little pocket change still. Oh, these kids. Yeah. I just, I look at these kids now and it's just, you know, the, 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 the sky's the limit for them. Um, you know, everything's, everything's changing and, uh, you know, nothing but, uh, what's nothing but the best for all of them. Yeah. All right. The last thing we do is I kind of do like a rapid fire questions deal and just a couple of quick questions here at the end. Uh, I'm going to mention something. You just briefly tell me the, what, what comes to your mind. Uh, give me your go-to restaurant when you played here in Minnesota. My go-to restaurant when I played in Minnesota. Manny's. Oh, okay. See, there you go. You just gave me all the feels right there, bro. M- Manny's. Okay, <laughs> Manny, Manny's Steakhouse, absolutely. So, you, you know what? You're going to get a massive thumbs up from all the Timberwolves fans when they hear that. Manny's Steakhouse, you can't oh, lose yeah. there. Uh, who was the player that you loved putting on a poster, dunking on the most? Give me a flashback. I think one of the best ones is, uh, and it's on one of the cards. One of my one of my cards uh, getting AC Green. Um, Ooh, in, in LA, uh, you, know, you know, anytime you can, you know, you're in that on that stage, and you're able to to get someone in the back then in the form. Uh, you know, those are those are good ones. Who would you say was your favorite athlete from one of the other professional sports teams here in town during the time that you were here? Oh, uh, Kirby Puckett. Yeah, that's the man. Yeah, Kirby. Kirby was Kirby and I were, were pretty good friends. Uh, so yeah, yeah, Kirby. All right, the final one for you. Who is your favorite player in the league currently? My favorite player in the league currently to watch. Oh, you know what? There's <laughs> Edwards is very good. Anthony Edwards is very good to watch. Uh, you know, I like Jaw Morant. Um, you know, these these young guys coming in, they're, they're they have some skill. Uh, so, you know, I'm gonna stick with with my home man Timberwolves. Uh, stay with Anthony Edwards. Nice. Well, Doug, it's been a pleasure to have you on the Life in the Pack podcast. A continued success to you, my friend. Thank you. All right, take care. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.